Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey. Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Christ the King and Living Hope Lutheran Churches. We are congregations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Port Washington and Saukville, Wisconsin. We believe God's love is for you. Here's our message for this week. The next reading is from Romans 3, 19 to 28. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now, irrespective of law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what law? By that of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 34. Glory Glory to to you, O Lord. Lord. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, Which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David by the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put my enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you have a cell phone? How many of you have an insurance policy? Some form. How many of you have read everything in the terms and conditions for your cell phone agreement that you signed when you got your cell phone? Or all the terms and conditions of your insurance policy? No lawyers here, okay. So good for you if you have one. I'm pretty sure I speak for most people. 
when I say I have not read every detail of every contract I've signed. I saved a story from shortly before the pandemic about a woman named Donalyn Andrews who actually sat down and read all of the fine print of a travel insurance policy that she bought. And I'm quoting from a Washington Post article. It says, she was deep into page seven of the policy when something jumped out at her. Pays to read, read the contract. It continued, we estimate that less than 1% of travelers that purchase a travel insurance policy actually read all of their policy information, and we're working to change that. Said the first person to email the company and mention the fine print contest would win $10,000. Andrews immediately emailed. The next day, the company called her to tell her she was the first to email and would indeed get $10,000, which is pretty good for a $454 policy. But there are other companies that go the opposite direction. They sneak all sorts of things into their fine print. So NPR has an article with examples, like 22,000 people in Manchester, England, who by using public Wi-Fi, public internet, inadvertently agreed to perform 1,000 hours of community service, including cleaning public toilets and relieving sewer blockages, <laughs> which I assume they did not follow through with. Or April Fool's Day 2010, British retailer GameStation, the users who did not very carefully read their terms and services license agreement and specifically uncheck a box, agreed to grant GameStation, quote, a non-transferable option to claim for now and forevermore your immortal soul. <laughs> so with that in mind, how many of you faithful Christians have read the entire Bible all the way through? Few. There was a poll a couple years ago that found that 87% of American households own a Bible, and the average is actually about three Bibles per household on average. One in five claim to have read through the entire Bible. So we're actually a little lower than that, which is kind of alarming in a church service. Read your Bible. Um, that said, I actually don't think it's that big of a problem if not very many people have read in great detail all of the dimensions of the temple in Second Chronicles or all the tribal census lists in the book of Numbers. But in general, reading the Bible is good. Part of, I suspect, why people often do not read the entire Bible is that there's a lot in it, especially a lot of laws. And a lot of those laws are not intended for us to follow. Many of them we literally cannot follow today. All the laws about sacrificing at the temple, we can't do that, nor are we supposed to. Jewish tradition holds that there are some 613 commandments in the Bible, and obviously it's a Jewish tradition that's only the Old Testament. So there's a lot in the Bible. And we often narrow it down and we focus on how many commandments? Ten commandments, right? And I'm guessing some of you can list all ten commandments. But there's a lot of fine print that goes with those commandments. If you want to follow God's law, there's a lot of detail you need to pay attention to. So in today's gospel reading, a Pharisee lawyer comes to Jesus and asks him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law of those, which of all those 613 commandments, which one is the greatest? Now, this question is meant as a test, right? It's a trap. Just like last week, if you were here, we heard about Jesus' enemies asking him about whether or not you should pay taxes to the empire. It's a trap. It's not really, most likely, an honest question for the perfect person asking it. It is important, though, for us. Jesus 
doesn't fall into the trap. He gives the perfect answer. The first commandment, he says, and this is with good Jewish law and tradition, the first commandment is to love God with all that you are, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then he continues, a second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And in this simple answer, Jesus boils down the entire law into a couple lines. He summarizes everything God has ever commanded into one commandment, love. The point of all of the rules, the point of all the law and the prophets is love. The point is faith that makes a difference in the world, living God's way, not to earn your way to heaven or But do good things so that God will love you more. Remember, God loves you whether you do good things or not. That is the entire point of grace. We'll come back to that in a minute. The rules are there because God wants us to experience the goodness of life. God wants us to live in a world where all people are safe, where all are included, a world where there's enough for everyone, where there's not stealing or murdering or adultery or all those other things in the commandments. And so in that first reading from Leviticus, God gives Moses some particular instructions, some fine print, stuff like don't render an unjust judgment, don't take vengeance or bear a grudge, don't go around slandering people. But the point is in that last line, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus' answer to the Pharisees is not some new idea that he is coming up with, throwing out his Jewish heritage, ignoring centuries of God, speaking through the prophets and the law. No, this is Jesus summarizing everything God has been commanding since creation. If you love your neighbor, the rest of it follows. This is our second week in a series talking about stewardship, thinking about stewardship and money and faith. So do you remember our definition of stewardship from last week? It said, stewardship is our call to tend everything God has trusted to us. And the key principle for how we engage in stewardship, how we use our time and our treasure and our talents, how we handle money, how we use all the stuff that God has trusted to us, the key principle for making decisions about what to do with what God has trusted to us is love. So for every decision that you make, ask yourself, is this loving God? Of the choices I have, which option is going to show God's love to my neighbors? Am I acting out of love? And of course, that's not a perfect, simple guide for decision-making because there's many things that you can do with your time. There's many ways you can spend your money that will show love. And there's not usually just one right path of action. Life doesn't work like that. There are some wrong decisions, though, which is why we have the law and the prophets. We still need to engage in ethical reflection and study, but it's all fine print under the general principle. Love God Love people. And maybe it should be obvious, but I'll say it anyway. Loving your neighbor as yourself (laughs) implies a certain level of also loving yourself. Taking care of yourself is important as well. You are a person whom God loves. 
So as we talked about last week, you bear the image of God. You are worthy of love. You are God's beloved child. That is your baptismal identity. And it is okay sometimes to make decisions that benefit yourself. It's okay to benefit from the blessings God has trusted you. But in all things, in everything you do, in every decision you make, keep a heavenly perspective, perspective of love for your neighbor. Our psalm said, a thousand years, a thousand, yeah, a thousand years in God's sight are like a day. There's so much right now that seems so important that fades away like grass withering in the night when we shift our perspective to God's view. And of course, none of us can do that all the time. None of us can live as unselfishly as God calls us to. None of us can keep that perspective all the time. So we'll talk about for a minute our namesake, Martin Luther. And this is, to clarify, Martin Luther who lived 500 years ago in Germany. This is not the civil rights leader in the 1950s, Martin Luther King Jr. There is a connection. Our Martin Luther, the one we're named after, was a monk who struggled with being a sinner. And he knew God demanded that he follow the law. He was a monk. He could read the scriptures. He was trained as a priest. And yet, no matter how hard he tried, he was not able to do it all. He kept finding himself sinning, breaking the law, going against what God wanted him to do. And conveniently, the church at the time taught that there was stuff he could do to make up for that sin. Stuff like confessing, confessing publicly, going to confession one-on-one, doing some penance, doing enough good works to balance out that sin that he was committing. And even giving money to the church is a good deed, and so that could make up for some sin, right? But Luther was extremely conscientious. He was acutely aware of how sinful he was, and no matter how much good he did to make up for it, he never knew if it was good enough. And his priest complained that Luther actually spent too much time coming to confession. He'd finish up his confession, walk out, turn around, and come back in and start confessing again. And as Luther tried to do enough to satisfy the demands that he thought God was making, he began to lose hope over ever doing enough to get to heaven, ever doing enough to satisfy God. And he got angry at God for demanding so much. And of course, getting angry at God felt sinful, and so that just made it worse. And then he came across this passage in Romans, the passage we just heard. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone is sinful. Luther was well aware of that part. But here's the key. Since all have sinned and since God is not willing to give up on us, says they are now justified by God's grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Read verse 28 out loud with me in that Romans reading on the screen. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. God is offering love and grace, not demanding satisfaction. God has come to pay the price from our sins in the person of Jesus Christ, God who has come to do it himself. The simple idea of God offering us grace, the simple idea of salvation coming not by what we do, but by God's grace through faith, changed everything for Luther. 
And now he saw that the church had lost its focus. He saw how easy it is when you start saying that giving money is a good deed and giving money to the church is a good deed and doing good deeds gets God's favor, how easy that is for corruption to come in and say, well, really, you should just give all your money to the church. And boy, the church benefits a lot from that. No. He saw that instead of proclaiming God's freely given forgiveness, the church had, been, had become corrupt. It was selling indulgences, charging money for grace. And Luther called the church to reform. Understanding God's grace changes everything for us as well. You don't need to set yourself free. You don't need to worry if you're trying hard enough or doing enough to achieve salvation. The burden is not on you. We believe God loves us so much that God always makes the first move. God does what we can't. The Holy Spirit inspires faith. Jesus sets us free from that paralysis of wondering if we're doing enough. The paralysis of being overwhelmed with all the problems of the world and thinking that we need to somehow solve them all. I had a seminary professor who was fond of saying that our call as Christians is to be faithful, not necessarily to be right. If you are acting out of love for God, if you are acting out of love for your neighbor, you're in a good place. The point of this stewardship series is to challenge some of our assumptions, particularly around faith and finance. So today's topic is, you have heard it said that God loves those who love God. If we are good and loving, then we expect love in return, right? That's the way that this world works. Lots of people talk about God's blessings being a reward for what we do. That's karma. That is not God's way. That is not what we believe in. God's love is reckless. God's love is amazing grace. God loves you because God loves you. Because God created you. Because God calls you beloved. Not because you love God. And Jesus entering into our world and dying for this broken, sinful world is the proof of God's love. So Lutheranism 101, here's your Reformation Day lesson. Lutheranism 101 comes down to this. We don't climb up to God. God always comes down to us. God is not up there with a grade book taking notes on every time we fall short on some part of the law so that God can cast us out into hell or something like that. God is looking at us in love, calling us to act out of love. And so as we talk about stewardship and responding to God, remember that God's love for you does not depend on what you give. It does not depend on whether or not you volunteer for something. Those are good things to do, but that is not what determines God's love. It's entirely countercultural, but that's what's so amazing about God. We don't get what we deserve, and that is really good news. We are saved by God's grace, and everything that we do with our time, our talents, and our treasure is in response to the grace given to us. God always comes down. God comes first. God makes the first move. And may we as God's people always respond to God's amazing grace by loving God with all that we are and by loving our neighbors as ourself in Jesus' name. So happy Reformation Day. Amen.
Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Living Hope and Christ the King, to ask for prayer, or to make a donation to support the work we are doing in Ozaki County, you can visit our websites at livinghopesockville.org or ctkport.org, or click the link in the show notes to find us online or on social media. May God bless you, and we hope you'll join us again soon.